Amen. That's a great song, isn't it? All right, what you're going to do, because it's, it's really only, what, 7 o'clock right now? Um, you're going to turn and slap your neighbor to wake him up. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, boy, these are early mornings, aren't they? They, they say actually this, this, this Sunday is, is actually uh, one of the least attended Sundays for the whole year for churches because of the Dale's. So, so you guys have broke that trend. So give yourselves a hand for coming to church and, and coming to the early service on top of that. So give yourself another hand that I came to the early service. Okay. Um, how many of you have ever been to a point in your life where you have just called out to the Lord because you had absolutely no idea what to do and you needed God's wisdom and you needed answers and and you just needed God's help and there's many times in our lives where we just get to that point which is not a bad thing we get to the point in our lives where we're like God I just need your help I have no idea what to do in this particular situation and as we've been going through the book of James we're in our second week now we're going to look into a part of James that talks about seeking God for wisdom as you're going through difficult times in your life, which, which interesting, as we went over last week about going through trials, what's interesting is in the midst of those passages, James says, listen, you know, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds, um, because you know it's going to do something in your life. It's going to produce steadfastness and it's going to mature you. And, and we just love going through trials, don't we? Because we just, we love them. We, every single one of us love going through trials because we know it's going to produce maturity. No, we, we don't like going through trials. If we're honest with ourselves, trials and issues in our lives are, are difficult. But we know as followers of Jesus Christ, trials are going to come and they are going to mature us. But, but the answer here that James gives us in this passage is that when we go through trials, this is our opportunity to seek God for wisdom. It's interesting that when everything is going fine in our life, we, we, the, the default of our heart is not to really seek the Lord and to seek his wisdom when things are going well, right? It's usually when things are going bad in our life that we begin to ask questions. Why are these things happening? We, we tend to don't question those things or we don't seek God's wisdom. So trials are allowed by God to happen in our life so that we can actually seek God and actually grow and maturity in the Lord. So the Lord uses those things. So James even tells us, we looked at chapter one, he said, listen, count it all joy when you do face those things. I mean, be joyful that, that God is going to do something in your life to cause you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. So we came to understand last week that James is dealing with a group of Christians who, who really weren't believing or living out what they believed or what they were confessing in, in their lives. And, and we can all battle with the same things. And I know the major struggle with most followers of Jesus Christ is how do I consistently live out my faith and how does that practically look. So what we're looking at over the next couple of weeks is what does it mean to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, one that is maturing and, and growing, and, and James really deals with this in chapter 1, and then he's going to get real practical as we go on into the other chapters. So I want to read for you James 1. Let's look at verses 1 through 8 again, and we're going to look at this part that James talks about wisdom. So you can follow along with your Bibles or Look at the screens there. Let's see what James says here in verses 1-3, starting with chapter 1. Remember, he's writing to uh, uh, fellow believers who are struggling with their faith. He's trying to encourage them, 
to live out their faith, live out what they believe. And so let's see what it says here. Greetings, it starts in verse 1. James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in dispersion. Greetings, the testing of your faith. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking uh, nothing. That, that doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect in your life. So right now I know you're thinking, you're thinking about your spouse. You're like, well, this ain't happening in my life. My spouse ain't perfect, right? That's not what it, it's talking about mature. We all know that we're, that, that's not going to happen until we get to heaven. But what he's talking about is there's a perfect where uh, a perfectness in our life where we're seeking God and we're maturing in the Lord. And there's a completeness that God wants to do as he matures you in him. That doesn't mean you're never going to make another mistake the rest of your life. Verse five, if any of you lack wisdom, can okay, notice the parallel there. He's talking about going through a trial. And then he says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without reproach and it will be given to him. But, but he said, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a catch here. He says, when he, when we ask for wisdom in the midst of our trial, he says, let him ask in faith. This is interesting. He says, just don't ask. Just don't say, okay, God, I need wisdom. Thank you very much. He says, I want you to ask in faith without doubting for the ones who doubt are like the waves of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. He's saying, ask in faith, knowing and believing that God will give you wisdom. Don't be double-minded. And here's the thing I want you to see here as we dive into this first. I think sometimes we ask God very simply to do something in our lives without really seeking him. There's the difference between just casually asking God and saying, okay, God, I want you to do this in my life. Thank you very much. I got it off my chest. And you go about your day. And then we get frustrated when things don't happen. What, what, what James is telling us here, he's saying, let him ask in faith, meaning believing, don't don't doubt, don't, don't doubt that God can move. It may not be on your timetable, but you're going to have to trust God through this. And it may not be a second later. It may not be a week later. It may not be a month later, but you need to seek the Lord while you're waiting. Does that make sense? Because in that process, in that waiting is when God matures you. Amen. So, so let's ask in faith. Let's believe that, that God can do it. So last week we looked at authentic maturity can only come through trials. Remember, knowledge makes you smart, right? But trials will make you mature. Listen, you can have all the scriptures met, which is great. We need, we're going to talk about this today, about how important knowing the scripture is and, and using the Bible as a filter in your life to gain wisdom. But the problem is many Christians, they know the word of God and they memorize the word of God and they get really smart and they got a lot of a lot of verses they can pull out of their holster at any moment because they've memorized all these things. But then when they go through a trial, they become a train wreck. And the, the problem is they have it all up here, but they're not allowing the trials to mature them. And so there's a lot of people that are very smart in the word of God, but are, are, are very immature in their walk with God. Because they're not allowing God to mature them through the trials of life. So what James says here is, says, listen, it's the trials of life that are going to mature you and complete you. 
We need the Word of God in our lives so that we have wisdom and understanding on what God's plan is. But God is going to use those trials to mature you. So remember, knowledge just makes you smarter, but the trials of your life are going to mature you as a believer. I like what Warren Worsby says here in his book, Be Mature. He says, our values determine our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and the physical more than the spiritual, we, not, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we live for the present and forget the future, then trials will make us bitter and not better. And so if I, if I in Christ, if I, if I choose Him and I follow Him, then I'm going to allow the trials in life to draw me closer to Christ and deeper in Christ. If I have, a, if I have a, a, a different attitude, I know that I can look at that trial and know that, that Christ is working with me. I know that when I come out on the other side, I'll be more, more mature and I can praise God for His faithfulness. And only trials can do that. And so what happens is the Word of God within us, through the trials of our life, complement each other. And I know God is doing a good thing in my life. And I know that the Word of God is my anchor. It, it's that solid rock that I stand upon because I know that God's Word is true and God can be trusted even when life doesn't make sense. Amen? Okay, so only trials can do this. So what James does also in these verses is he shares... In the passage, what, what wisdom looks like, what authentic wisdom looks like, that we can ask God for wisdom even in the midst of our trials. And so James is writing to a people who have problems just like you and I, um, and they're wondering, what do we do through these problems that we're going through? How do I pray uh, specifically in the trials that I'm going through. And have you ever felt that way? I, I don't even know what to pray or that you've been praying for one circumstance or set of circumstances for so long and you're like, you don't even know what to pray anymore. You're just like, you, you just feel like you pray the same thing and the same prayer over and over and over again. And you're like, God, I just need wisdom. To, and, and, you know, what should I even ask for? Am I being selfish Praying, praying this way. Have you ever felt that way that you ask for a prayer and you're like, am I even being selfish in the way that I'm praying? And so we, we even in the midst of difficult times, we're like, God, how do I even pray? And I think one of the most difficult things to do is uh, during a trial is, is knowing how to pray the right way. Because I want to make sure, Lord, if, if I'm in your will, I want to make sure to pray the right way, way that I'm asking for the correct type of wisdom to even pray in this situation. And if God is allowing this trial, then I, I need to know how to pray. And so James gives us the answer to in the right way to pray. And, and, and what he says is we need to ask God for wisdom in faith. So let's, let's unpack what James means here so that... Whether you're going through a trial now or, or you've been going through a trial and, and there's a particular maybe situation that you're really praying about and you're asking God for help and, and wisdom and discernment in this situation, how do I pray the correct way? And I, and I believe God can give us wisdom uh, in the midst of our trials to help us during those times. So James definitely says, yes, God will give you wisdom in your trial. So how do we pray the right way? In the midst of trials. So before we jump into that, let's look at things the wrong way to do it. What's the wrong way to pray? Because we've all been victims of this, of of praying the wrong way and and not understanding God's wisdom in a certain uh, situation. So so if if I'm asking God for wisdom, 
Um, what's the wrong way to pray? Uh, well, let me first say this. Let's be careful that we're not leaning on our own understanding and the way we pray. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? Many times we pray and then we, 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 we want our way to be done, so we lean on our own understanding and we're not really seeking God for understanding from Him. And so the wisdom that we need from God will protect us from the most dangerous thing in our life. So when you pray and you seek God and you ask God for wisdom, what God will do is He will protect you from the most dangerous thing in your life. And you know what that is? It's you. You're, you're all thinking the devil, weren't you? You're all saying, yeah, he's gonna, well, he'll do that. But the, the person that, that God wants to protect you from is you. Amen? Right? Listen, when, when you go through a trial, if we're not careful, we can tend to look inward. And we will say things like this. Why is this happening to me? Right? Am I the only one in this room? Seven o'clock crowd, right? Okay. So listen, we, we can tend to turn inward. Why? And we all have done this. Why? Why doesn't this happen to other people? Why is this happening to me? Um, something must be wrong with me. God must be mad at me. God doesn't love me. Now, here's the problem. If we're not careful, the, the, the default of our heart is automatically going to turn to me. Like, like all of a sudden there, there's something wrong that needs to be fixed and, and, and it can turn, if we're not careful, can turn into a pity party and we tend to look inward. Why are these things happening to me? And, and then we look over the fence, right, at the Joneses, right? The Joneses, you look over the fence at the Joneses and say, wow, the Joneses got everything going good, you know? They look really great. They got two huge dogs that could kill me. And, and they're just really, don't go to the Joneses because they're dogs. Oh my gosh, they're like, they're like, I don't know what they are. What are they? They're like polar bears. Polar bears. Oh, man, those are scary dogs. Anyways, so don't go, because you, you'll look over the fence and dogs will kill you. But anyways, listen, we, we look over the fence and we, and we compare ourselves and then we begin to look inward and, and we're not looking at what God wants to do in my life and in my situation. So we, we, we tend to look inward. We automatically think trials are bad. So here's the flaw. The flaw is... We have a wrong understanding of God's character. So here's the, here's the line of the flawed thinking. We think that trials are bad equals something's wrong with me equals God, you're upset with me. So, so how do I fix that? Well, the way we fix it within our own heart is the way we try to fix that is through works righteousness or a works mentality. So the way we fix it is, okay, so the way I fix this problem or to fix this trial, then I need to do good because doing good equals good things will happen to me. So that, that's, that's the default of our heart. Automatically, when things are wrong, we think, must be something wrong with me, then I've got to do better things. I've got to pick myself up. I've got I to make these things right. But here's the deal with trials. Yes, there are times that we make mistakes. There are times that we bring things on ourselves, right? For me, it's much easier to think, okay, I made this mistake, so, so I need to repent and I see what God's word is and I need correction in my life. And we've all made mistakes and we all have beaten ourselves up. And we all feel guilty about our past. For some reason, I know this sounds weird, 
For some reason, those things are easier to fix than the ones that we have no idea why they're happening. Amen? Am I right there or am I wrong? Because what happens is, if I know that I've done something wrong, then I can fix it. And then sometimes I say, okay, God, I'll use your help to fix this problem. And I know I need to, to get these things right in, in my life. And so it becomes this works mentality. But if we, if we understand our relationship with Jesus Christ, we understand we do wrong, that we can repent and Christ is forgiving and we turn to him and he cleanses us from all our, all our unrighteousness. He makes us righteous and we turn to him and cling to his righteousness and his grace that saves us. And it's by faith that we can find comfort and reassurance from God that we have forgiveness through what Christ has done for us on the cross. So there are times that we need to correct ourselves. However, there are times that we have nothing to do with it. There are things that happen in our lives that are beyond our control. And when these things happen, these are much more difficult to figure out because we, 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 we beat ourselves up and we're going through our mind like, oh, how did this happen? What's going on? Did I do it? And then, and then we're just, we're just, it just, it can drive you crazy. And so this can be health or job loss or death, whatever, whatever it may be. And so what begins to happen in my prayer life, if I'm not careful, it can center on me and not on Christ. And, and that's the danger. See, if I pray this way, God, get me out of this. God, give me more money so I can fix all my financial problems. Uh, God, give me. God, give me. Can he? Sure, God can, can give us and God can help us. But what's the greater thing that God desires to do in our lives. God wants to mature you. That, that's the greater thing. That, that's the hard thing. When I become a follower of Jesus Christ. Is that the Bible says that I've been bought with a price. And that now I lay my life down. And that, and that Paul even says this to the Corinthian church. He says now you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so now what becomes difficult is like, okay, now I'm a servant, a slave of Christ Jesus. And now I desire to do your bidding and your bidding alone. And Jesus, you know what's best for me in my life. And so now my life doesn't become, I'm going to live my life. And then Jesus, you can kind of come along. And if you make my life better, that's great. Um, you know, so, so you're kind of my means to my ends if it's a good end. Right. But the problem is when I become a follower of Jesus Christ, that means I lay my life down. That, that, that means life isn't always going to be pretty. Not everything's going to work out my way. But if I am a follower of Jesus Christ, I know that God is working his best in my life and that his desire for me is much more for not so much for my happiness, but for my holiness, that God wants more than anything else to develop his character in my life. And so he will use many things to develop that character in my life. So here's the problem um, God desires to make us mature, to allow his glory to show through our life, even in the difficult circumstances in our life. So, so how do I turn this around and now pray with wisdom? So if I'm in a situation um, that's beyond my control, um, 
how do I pray with wisdom in this situation to allow God to receive the glory so, so that I don't turn inward, I don't turn bitter, and I'm not necessarily looking for God to get me out of the situation right away, even though he could. But I'm really looking to seek God and say, God, what are you doing in my life? I am just the clay. You're the potter. Okay, I put myself on the potter's wheel, Lord. Your, your hands are going to guide me. They're going to take the bumps out of my life. I'm just a lump of clay. Lord, do your work. That's the hard part, isn't it? Lord, I'm just going to set my life here on the potter's wheel. You are the potter. I am the clay. So, so do your work, God. So, so how do we gain wisdom? Well, let, let me just give you a couple things here. How do I turn this around and pray with wisdom now? So, so now we're not looking to ourselves. We're not saying, why me? We're not getting bitter. Now we're going to say, okay, Lord, I'm here. I'm in this situation I don't know why. I, I don't see the answers here, but I, I want to pray with wisdom because I want to know you because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ now and I've given my life to you. Well, the book of Proverbs is a book all about wisdom. And, and, and the way the, the proverb writer writes is that wisdom is something to be sought. It, it's something that we seek. Let, let me read you a couple of these passages. Proverbs 3, 13 and 15. The, the, the title there is, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. And let me read it for you. It says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is far more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Lord, you are. Right? Remember that song? More precious than whatever. Lord, you are, right? That's where that song comes from. It's something to be sought. Wisdom is far greater and far more precious than any gold or silver could bring. Let's read Proverbs 8, 10, and 11. It says, take my instruction instead of what? Silver and knowledge rather than what? Choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. What's the common thread here that the proverb writer is trying to show us? He's saying, listen, you have to seek and find wisdom. Seek it with all your heart. It's better than any gold or silver that you will ever find. Wisdom is priceless. This is the thing you want to find. So James is saying, when you're in a trial... Ask God for wisdom to help you through that trial. Now, a couple weeks ago, I read this story. Some of you may have heard this. There was a couple in California that were walking their dog in their backyard, and they found eight cans of gold coins, solid gold coins. So they had a stick, and they're digging up these rusty cans, and, and they found all this gold in these cans. And so they dug it up, and they found a total of eight they, um, they got all the, the gold-minted coins um, appraised. And, and at the time, uh, in the late 1800s, the gold was worth about $27,000. And so they got appraised in today's market value, and it's worth $10 million. They found $10 million in their backyards. In their backyard. Now, 
How many of you, if you knew there were some gold coins in your backyard, you would not go back there and start digging things up? I know some of you, you'd have the backhoe back there. You'd leave church right now and you'd rent a backhoe and you'd be digging up your backyard. That We would, we would seek, wouldn't we? We would seek it with, with everything we had if we knew that there was $10 million in our backyard. We would do all we could to, to, to seek it, to find it, to dig it up. Uh, we would seek it out with all our heart. Listen, th- this is what... The, the proverb writer is saying, you need to seek wisdom with the same ambition that you would seek if you knew that there was $10 million in your backyard. You, you, would, you would drop everything, wouldn't you? Am I the only one here, 7 o'clock crowd? Okay, okay, go home, go back to bed and come back again, okay? Listen, you knew, you would know that you would drop, you would, the, the, the Bible says that if a man knew he had a treasure, he would sell everything he had to find that treasure that's buried in his land. We would do everything possible. Listen, I want you to understand, wisdom is the same way. That, that James is telling us, that, that we need to seek wisdom in this way. Now, not one of these little passive prayers that, that you threw up a, a, a prayer flare to God and just said, okay, God, I need your help. There it is. Okay, and then you go about your day. And then we wonder why God doesn't speak to us. You see, prayer is the element there. Wisdom needs to be sought with your whole heart, where you lay everything out, where you say, God, I am the clay. I'm laying this at your feet, and I'm going to seek you to find discernment and wisdom in this situation. And I'm going to lay everything I have down in order to seek you and, and to find this wisdom because I know that it's more precious than gold or silver. And I need your help in this. And I need your discernment. And I'm not just going to pacify this. I'm not just going to casually brush over this. I'm going to really seek you. I'm going to seek you in the morning. I'm going to seek you at night. I'm going to seek your face on this very thing. That's what the Lord is doing. Now He's doing a little bit deeper work within your heart to mature you. Now, the, 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 the end part of that, that story is that um, they, they think that the gold was all stolen. They're, the exact same time, there's a huge gold heist in San Francisco that they believe that the, the, the gold was, was, was stolen. So, nah, 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 for those people, right? <laughs> Come on, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, man, they found $10 million and it may not be theirs. But that's the end of the story. And they may have to give all the gold back. But if we're going to grow and we're going to be mature and we're going to become authentic when we're going through a trial, instead of, listen, 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 listen. Instead of taking the easy way, the fastest way, the one of least resistance, right? We're like, okay, God, take me through this trial, but take me through the road of least resistance, all right? Or the one that's going to be the quickest, or give me the answer yesterday. And instead of that in our mindset, set in your heart that, God, I'm going to seek you in this. I'm, I'm going to seek, and I'm going to give you steps on how to do that. But before I do that, I want you to, it's, it's got to start with going to Christ. It's got to start with, God, I'm going to really be serious about this and I'm going to truly seek your face just as someone would seek gold or silver for their riches instead of taking the path of least resistance. I can remember when I was first a youth pastor, my first summer youth pastor, I think I was 24 years old, 23 years old, 
And Kathleen and I took a group of young people uh, tubing in the cat where you, my first place I was youth pastor was in Albany, New York. We took a group uh, of teens um, tubing down some river, I can't remember the name of the river, in the Catskills. And it was in the middle of nowhere. We were like the only people in this river. And, and so I, of course, being young and foolish, I, 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 I threw out the gauntlet and I said, okay, I'm going to race and I'm going to be the winner that's going to go down the river first. I'm going to beat all you young punks. Okay. So I'm going to be the first one down. So I've got my wife and we're in this tube and we've got like 15 or 20 youth in the water. And uh, I've got my friend Ray there with his wife or his fiance at the time. I can't remember. And they're with us. They drove up from South Carolina to spend time with us. So I'm like, okay, Ray, let's, let's show these young punks that we were still good, that we can beat. So we're in there and these kids are flying in front of us. I mean, it, it was on, it was on, on like Donkey Kong. I mean, we, we, we were, we were going all out with these kids. We're like, we're going to beat you, Pastor Bard. So the only instructions, we had no guide. And the only instruction for the guide was stay to the right. When the, when the river forks to the left or the right, stay to the right. So I'm like, okay. So I was telling the kids, stay to the right, make sure. So anyways, they get way ahead of us. And I'm noticing that the river that goes left are like shortcuts. They're like cut, cut off a lot of the bend of the river. So of course me thinking stupid 24 year old, I'm thinking, let's, I'm just going to Ray and my wife and, and, and his wife, Tina, I go, let's, let's go to the left. And, and, and we're going to cut off a whole bunch of time and we're going to beat these teenagers, right? The, the, the least resistance, the quickest way. So we went down one and I'm like, whoo, we're catching. I can see him. I think we're catching up to him. We get to the next one and there's branches over it. And it's like Niagara Falls going over these little falls. And Kathleen has real long hair at the time. And she got her hair caught in one of the branches. So I'm in front of her. And her hair gets caught in the branch and water is going over her. I'm trying to, I mean, it's funny now. I, I laughed. I wasn't funny then. And I'm trying to get back to her. And there's my friend Ray pulling her hair. And all, I mean, you, you should have heard the language coming out of Kathleen. I never thought that was in her. It was just really, and it was all directed towards me too. You had to win this race. You had to beat the team. And so he gets her hair, like half her hair was still in the branches. We get her out and thank God. I thought, oh my gosh, she's going to drown. I mean, the water's going. So Ray gets her, he saves my wife and we get out and we, we, of course, I said, well, let's, let's try one more going on the left. No, I was just teasing. We, we get her out and they, of course, the kids obliterate us. They were way ahead of us. We, we lost the competition and I had to, you know, humble myself before them. Think, I want you to think this. I want you to think as you pray and as you seek the Lord, don't always seek the path of least resistance. You, you have to, you have to set in your heart, God, whatever you're going to do, whatever you're going to do in my life, whatever you're going to do in my heart, I, I have to just follow you. That that's the bottom line. I have to follow you regardless. And, and I think that's the thing that we've got to settle in our hearts. We, we got to, before I give you the steps on how to seek God's wisdom, you, listen, you've got to settle in your heart that God, I'm going to follow you irregardless. Amen. That's the hard part. You've you got to settle. God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to follow you irregardless of the outcome. I've, I've got to follow you because, because I've laid my rights down. I've laid my heart down and, and I know you know what's best for me. And so, listen, 
let's be careful not to focus on me and my desires because wisdom will say this. God wants you to learn something from this. God wants you to grow through this and seek my face and watch what I do. That's why I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. We were, our Bible study on Wednesday night was all about this verse. It was really good. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So the hard part here is, Acknowledging Lord in all my ways, not lean on my own or saying, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know that, that, that you're trustworthy. And, and before I give you the steps on how to seek God's wisdom in your life, let me just let me just finish with a story here. And this is a story in the Old Testament that's just it's, it's a sad story. And, and, and I want I want to show you what happens if we're not careful in seeking um, God's wisdom. And it's a story about King Uzziah, who was one of the king's of Israel, who, who did good in the eyes of the Lord in the midst of so many evil and corrupt kings. But I want to start in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. And, and just listen, because this is something that I just felt impressed last night to share with you. It's not in your, uh, on the screen or in the notes, but let me just share. So just listen. Um, Isaiah 6, 1. Isaiah, wonderful prophet of the Lord, says this during Isaiah's commission when the Lord calls him. It says in Isaiah 6, 1, it says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted. In the year King Uzziah died. Now, now, if you're reading through Isaiah and you're reading that, you would tend to skip over it and just say, Oh, in, in the year King Uzziah died. Well, that's, okay, big deal. There's a huge background story to King Uzziah. And I'm going to read that story to you because it's a, it's a sad story when someone doesn't seek the wisdom of the Lord and what can happen. And I want to read that for you. It's found in Chronicles, Second Chronicles uh, chapter 26. And let me read you a couple of verses there of what happened to King Uzziah, king of Judah. He was a good king, but he, he strayed at the end of his kingship. And let me read to you what it says here. Second Chronicles 26. Let me read you verse 3 through 5 first. It says Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah and she was from Jerusalem. Verse 4 said he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. Now, verse 5 is what I want you to listen to. It says, he sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of the Lord. And catch this, as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. So I want you to see something here. Um, uh, Uzziah, this is not the same Zechariah, the the prophet. This was a, a religious advisor in his life. Someone that helped him with wisdom in his life. And, the, and, and what the scripture says, as long as he sought the Lord, God granted him success. He had, a, he had a spiritual advisor, he had a religious advisor who loved the Lord, who helped him in his reign to make the right decisions. But something tragically happened, and let me... Drop down in that, uh, that chapter to verse 16. 
It says, but after Uzziah became powerful, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to his God. He had entered the temple of the Lord and burned incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. And they confronted him and they said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. For that is the priest, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and you will not be honored by the Lord. So what happens here is he gets prideful. He's the king, not the priest. He's not the minister. God set up the ministers through the tribe of Aaron and the the tribe of Levites to be the only ones to go in the temple. But he got full of himself. He said, well, why can't I go into the temple? Why can't I offer incense unto the Lord? And so what happened is he's going into the temple, uh, doing a very profane thing before the Lord, because the Lord specifically said, this is only uh, for the priests who have consecrated to minister before me. You are a king to lead my people. You're doing a good job, but you're, you're overstepping the bounds. You're not listening to wisdom. And so they try to catch him, and they try to stop him, and they give him a chance to stop and to turn around. But look what happens next. That's right, Ruth, he didn't. Listen to verse 19. It says, Uzziah, who had the censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. He didn't submit. He didn't humble himself. And while he was raging at the priest in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. And when Azariah, the chief priest and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead. So they hurried him out. Indeed, himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah, here's the sad part of this whole story. Verse 21, King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous and excluded from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, uh, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. And so what happened here is Uzziah died with this leprosy because he disobeyed the Lord. And here's what I want you to see as we just wrap this all up. See, Uzziah, what he was doing correctly was he was seeking the Lord for wisdom on how to rule his people in the midst of so many corrupt kings that did their own thing and brought in idols from other nations for their people to worship. He did the right thing by leading his people spiritually, by getting rid of those idols and showing them the way to God, by allowing the priests to do their duty that they were supposed to do in the temple. All was well until pride filled his heart. Listen. Here are the steps for godly wisdom in your life. Let me just give you a couple things here. Write them down because this is going to spare you a lot of heartache and a lot of headaches in the future. And and I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I'll sit down with with followers of Christ and and I'll see their life going down a wrong avenue. I'll, I'll see their life headed down a wrong path and, and wrong choices. And I'll sit there and, I, and I'll show them Scripture. And I'll say, listen, do you see what the Word of God says? You're, you're disobeying the Lord. The hardest thing to come against or to correct is someone's heart of pride. 
when, when they're prideful and they don't think they've done anything wrong and they don't want to listen to counsel or they don't want to submit to counsel, that's the hardest thing for me as a pastor is when you have to apply church discipline to someone that you know lovingly saying, hey, you're, you're wrong here and lovingly, we want to help you as a church and restore you. Nine times out of ten, what they'll do is they'll pick up their stuff and they'll go to another church. And they receive, they, they, they'll refuse to go through the, the church discipline to allow God to restore them because pride stops them from doing it. And that's not what God wants. That, that's ungodly wisdom. That, that's ungodly characteristics. If we're a follower of Christ, there are going to be times that we just have to humble ourselves and lay our pride down and say, God, I need your correction in my life because I know that you know what's best for me. So let me give you a couple things here because this is what Uzziah failed to do. Listen, if you're going to have correct wisdom and you're going to seek God in your situation, everything has to be screened through the word of God. You have to obey God's word. God will not contradict himself in his word. I'll have people say, I'm just going to be honest with you, this this frustrates me. This just frustrates me as a pastor. I'll be sitting down with Christian couples going through counseling or whatever, and and I'll show them the word of God, and I'll say, do you realize that what you're doing is you are fornicating? That's what you're doing. This ain't your spouse. This is what the word says. And, and I'll hear things like, well, I've prayed about it. What, that, that, that trumps God's word? Because you prayed about it? Really? That's where we're at now. You prayed about it. Okay, because if you really prayed about it, I'm getting hyper. Let me calm down. Take a deep breath. Listen, if you really prayed about it, then you would obey God's word. That's the problem. And so then the next thing I'll hear is usually this. Doesn't God want me to be happy? Yeah, see, that's the thing. Doesn't God just want me to be happy? So if God, so God wants you to be happy by sinning. Is, is, that, is that what you're telling? Well, no, I'm just... See, that's how corrupt our hearts are. That's how easily we can be led astray if we're not seeking godly wisdom from the Word of God. Prayer, just because you prayed about it, does not trump the Word of God. Thank God we have the Word of God that shows us the authority of what God says. And that's not just to beat you over the head with it. That's to give you guardrails and to protect you in your life. So you've got to screen it through the Word of God. Listen, here's the second thing you need to do. is You need to listen to godly wisdom in your life. There's no lone ranger's well, he had Tonto, so that's good. So that's all right. Listen, if, if you think that you're going to make all these decisions on your own because you're too prideful to humble yourself and ask for help from somebody else, you've got a pride issue like Uzziah. Because if Uzziah would have just asked Zechariah, he would have stopped. But he got too prideful in himself. What happens to pride is we pull ourselves away from other people and we're too embarrassed and we're too prideful. We don't want to humble ourselves to ask, actually admit that we need help in a certain situation. To humble ourselves and say, you know what? I need to go to another godly person and ask them what their opinion is about this very thing. We were listening to this on Wednesday night with Andy Stanley. He made a great point because he was talking about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And he says, most of the problems that when I deal with people 
and mistakes they've made in their lives. He goes, I'll ask them this question. Did you ask anybody about this decision? He goes, 100% of the time, people say, no, we never did. Do you realize how much, how much grief you can just spare yourself if you just ask somebody for godly wisdom? That, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful proverb. That there's, there's wisdom in godly counsel. There just is. Now, that doesn't mean you always run to people all the time. You've got to run to God. You have to run to His Word. But God gives us godly counsel. Uzziah had godly counsel from Zechariah, which he ignored and went on his own ambition and his own pride. So obey God's Word. Screen it through God's Word. Get wisdom from godly counsel. Listen, wait. Sometimes you just need to wait on God. And humble yourself. Don't, don't, don't act on your emotions. Here's what happened to Uzziah. What happened to Uzziah is when he was instructed by the priest and the high priest not to go in there, he could have, he could have completely detonated that situation by walking back out. But what happened to Uzziah? He got angry. And because he got angry... He fled off his emotions and God disciplined him. You see, if you're going to seek godly wisdom, yes, let's seek God's word. Let's look for godly counsel. Let's wait. But also, let's be careful that we're not reacting off our emotions. How many of us bought something off our emotions and it was the worst purchase we ever made, right? So let's, let's wait on God. Let him settle your emotions because when we're emotional, we say things we don't mean. We do things that we shouldn't do, right? So let, let's wait on the Lord. Let's settle our emotions down. Because when you get somebody else in the picture that, 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 that's not emotionally tied to your certain circumstance, and that's very important. When you ask for wisdom about a certain situation, be very careful to ask somebody that's emotionally invested in that situation because your spouse sometimes takes more offense to situations than you do. Right? So be very careful. I mean, it's okay to ask your spouse for wisdom. But I would ask somebody that's not really emotionally invested in that situation because they might have a better perspective of that situation than someone that's emotionally tied to that situation. And don't ask people that are always going to agree with you. Amen? Don't, don't automatically default to the person that you know is going to give you the answer that you want. Go to the person where you know is going to give you a heart. I have a friend like that, Ray. I mean, he just tells because I, I know he loves me. I know he cares about me. And he's going to tell me the truth as much as I just want to tell him he's wrong and I hate you now. You're, you're not my friend anymore, right? I know he's, he, his, he cares about me. I know he's going to tell me the truth. And, and sometimes the truth hurts. And we need to hear it if we're going to be corrected. So, so let's be open. Let's, let, let, let's, in the last thing there, just walk in humility. If, if, if Uzziah walked in humility, he could have avoided this whole situation. So let's walk in humility. Let's be wisdom seekers. Let's be wisdom hunters. Let's, let's say, God, correct my attitude. God, I'm going through this difficult time, but let, let, me, let me make sure that my heart is right first. Let me make sure that my life is correct first that I'm seeking you with the right motives. And let me tell you something. James says God is faithful. God will give you the wisdom and the discernment that you need in your time of crisis or your time of trial. That's the faithful God we serve.
Amen. I want you to bow your hearts this morning. This is what we're going to do this morning as the worship team comes forward. Listen, we're going to sing this last song. And, and there may be some of you here in this place that, that you're um, really seeking God for a particular thing in your life. And you really just need the Lord's wisdom on a particular thing. Let me encourage you today to say this. I, I'm going to open the altars this morning and I want you to come and pray. I want you to come and pray. There may be you may need to come up with your spouse and, and just say, God, we're going to lay this thing at your feet this morning and we really need to seek you. We really haven't sought you on this and we need your help. I believe this is just a good kickstart for you this morning to say, God, I, I want you to do that. So as, as we begin to worship and as we begin to sing, I want you to come forward and just just kneel at these kneel at the front today and just say, God, I'm just going to seek your face on this particular thing. And begin to allow God into your circumstance, into your situation, and allow you to give you discernment in what you're going through. So I want you to stand this morning, and I want to pray with you. And uh, if that's you this morning, um, I just want you to come and pray. Just come and pray and just say, God, we're, we're, I'm just going to lay this before your feet today. So Lord, as we, we stand in your presence today, Lord, we need your help. Lord, I don't know every particular circumstance that's represented here today, but you do. Lord, you know exactly what you need to do in every situation. And Lord, we need to seek your wisdom like we would seek gold in a field. We need your understanding and we need your help and we need your correction. Forgive us, God, when we've relied on our own understanding, when we've relied on our own emotions or we relied on wisdom that was worldly wisdom and ungodly wisdom that led us astray. God, may we be a people that seek your face and just know you and know your word. And so, God, I pray that it would start this morning. And whatever situation is represented here today, God, I pray that you would show yourself faithful. That you would gain, uh, that we would gain wisdom and understanding for our situation as we seek your face. May we take these steps, God, to seek you and to know you. So that God, ultimately, Jesus is glorified in our lives. So we thank you and we praise you. And I thank you for answered prayer. I thank you that you're a faithful God. I thank you that when we come to you and we ask for wisdom, you are so faithful to give us that. And so we, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in every circumstance, in every situation. We love you, Lord. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
before you this morning we Lord we thank you that you care for us that's really the bottom line that your word says to cast all our cares at your feet because you do care for us and so Lord we need to be reminded of that that you're not burdened by our cares in fact you tell all those who are heavy laden and burdened to come to you because your yoke is easy and your burdens are light. You tell us to come to you. And Lord, I know in my heart it's so much easier to run to my own wisdom or another book or whatever. But Jesus, you tell us to run to you. And God, I pray that we would be a people that would run to you. That that would be our first inclination is to run to you. Jesus, your desire is to have a, a relationship with us, a personal relationship with us, a close relationship with us. That's your desire. And Lord, I know that trials can either pull us away from you or pull us towards you. And my prayer is that through our trials, they would pull us towards you so that we could feel your love and your arms wrapped around us, that we could sense your compassion and know, like your word says, that we have a faithful high priest that who can sympathize with us in all our areas and all our weaknesses, who is faithful, who is without sin, that we can find grace and hope in our time of need. And so we thank you for that, that you're faithful, Jesus, that you know us and that you desire us to come. And so, Lord, I pray that that would be an everyday thing as we seek your face. So, Lord, we don't want to minimize the hurt and the pain that we go through in our trials. But, Jesus, you don't allow us to bear those alone. You're bearing those with us. And so help us to come to you and lay those burdens at your feet. We thank you, Jesus, that you're faithful to do that. So may we just go in that hope and that peace today. 
that you're a good God and that you're always there for us, that nothing can separate us from your love, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So may we have that hope today as we go in your presence. We just thank you for this time and we just give you the glory now. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 Hey, go in God's grace. God bless you today. Amen. Every one who's lost some